Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. We've been uh, having a series of God's standard for the home, strengthening our relationships. And uh, we began with Brother Dustin Gaskins. And uh, he went back to God's original intent. As stated by Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. Let's read that together. Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to start reading in verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let not man separate so brother dustin spoke about this standard this high standard for marriage amen high standard that uh, and model for the home that institution called marriage begins that wonderful place that we call home and that should be our inspiration and lifelong pursuit to have and always be in one marriage. Amen. And then we had Brother Mike Hall talk about the challenges and threats to the marriage and to the home. And indeed, we are threatened on a daily basis. Uh, there are forces at work, whether it's in the world or whether it's Satan, who's working 24-7 to cause so much destruction in the family and in the home. And we need to be aware. We need to be ready for that. But I want to just tell you, I want to be real today. I want to be honest and I want to be direct. This study for me has been a difficult one. And one because it involves broken homes. It involves broken marriages. And I think this is the reason why God would say in Malachi chapter 2 verse 16 that he hates divorce. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garments in violence. The Lord of, horse, the Lord of hosts says, Therefore take heed to your spirit that you don't deal treacherously. So he says that he hates divorce, and that word divorce literally means a putting away. But God hates divorce not because he's in the hating people business, but because of the fact that it hurts the people that he loves the most. And in so many different and dramatic ways, as some of you have experienced alongside me growing up in a broken home. And that's number two, because I lived through it. And I've experienced the terrible effects of divorce. I, my father was divorced. My mother was divorced. And there's a lot of pain in that, I have to be honest with you. A lot of trauma that still hurts to this very day. And always be there. And always be some type of pain. But I've also was there to see God's hand at work. I'll be honest with you, when Daddy first remarried, 
And we had such a blended family that we did. He married a woman that had four, three children. Seemed like four to me. With three children came on. And let me tell you something. That was, uh, that was crazy. And for me, it was chaos. And, um, but, but God could do such great things. And he turned that pain into something beautiful. A beautiful stepmom, beautiful sisters, wonderful brothers. And it just reminds me of that verse in Psalms 118, verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. No one could have brought all that together and made it right other than the Almighty God. So Jesus points back in uh, Brother Dustin's message, back to that high standard of marriage. Began way back the institution did in the Garden of Eden. But the truth is, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We live in a fallen world. Lives are broken. Sin has its devastating effect. Christians get caught up and homes are broken. People's lives are forever affected and changed. But Jesus kind of infers to the problem of this and while all this happened anyway. He says in the last half of uh, verse 8 of Matthew 19, he says, because of the hardness of your hearts. Isn't that where a lot of the problems begin? Selfishness, pride, hardness of heart, doing what we want to do. That's where a lot of marriage problems begin. Or if it doesn't begin there, perhaps adultery was the horrific cause of your divorce. You know, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9, Jesus talks a little bit about that. He says, but I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Maybe it was the fact that somebody committed adultery. And what a horrific, terrible, terrible thing ended your marriage. Adultery. What pain, what trauma in your life that must have occurred? Or maybe the result of your marriage, failing of your marriage and divorce, is because a result of the adultery in your heart. You know, Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. And you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And let me tell you something. So many marriages have been devastated and separated and divorced and ended in divorce because men who were addicted to porn. Committing adultery in their heart. What devastation. Or perhaps maybe your marriage ended because of an abandonment of your unbelieving spouse. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15 talks about that. And maybe that spouse who abandoned you, that unbeliever that you were married to, went on and married, divorced you and married someone else. Maybe that's where you are. But what happens, and this is what I want to study for this morning, what happens when a divorced Christian remarries and begins a new life, a new home? Can that husband and wife be forgiven? Can Jesus fix that which is broken? Can this home be blessed? And there, that rebuilding process, I think, begins with turning to God and confessing your sins. That's where that rebuilding process begins. That's the only way God is going to fix and repair and rebuild a broken home. It's if you will turn to Him and look towards Him. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. If God isn't first in your life, nothing else will matter. If God isn't first in your life, if Jesus is not your Lord, whether you're married or single or whatever, it doesn't matter what happens next. It's just all a game. God, the Lord, Jesus. Jesus must be Lord of your life. Psalms chapter 34 begins with this in verse 17. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. You see, the answer to that question, the question that I pose to you, can that home be blessed? Can that home be mended? Can that home be repaired? Yes, it begins with that process of turning to confessing your life and sins over to God. Jesus' blood, listen, can redeem and totally cleanse if one is willing to confess their sin and repent. You know, any sin can be forgiven. I only know of one unforgivable sin that's mentioned in the Bible. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven man, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. But wait a minute, somebody says, Divorce is horrible. God hates it. I can't tell you the number of times that people gave my dad a strange look. That look of judgment. That look of wrath of God. There's a lot of people who think a divorced person, especially one who's remarried, is worse than a sodomite or a homosexual. A great number of Christians who have been married, divorced, and remarried live in a state of uncertainty because of our own attitudes. Our unloving and unforgiving spirit. And I would ask them, 
Do you believe that Jesus' death was sufficient to pay the cost of sinful divorce or remarriage? You need to ask and answer that question. Is Jesus' death sufficient to pay the cost of a sinful divorce or remarriage? 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 9 puts it this way, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness except for marriage and divorce and remarriage. Is that what it says? No. It says that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 puts it this way. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep gone astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. Remember the verse we read in Malachi chapter 2 verse 16? God hates divorce, right? But I wonder if we continue reading and read on in Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. I just think sometimes we just overlook that because we are so happy to have the fact that God hates something. Malachi chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 puts it this way, Behold, I send my messenger, and he prepare the way before me. Speaking of John the Baptist, which Brother Glenn Taylor was talking about in our Wednesday study. So he says that he will prepare the way for me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, speaking of the Messiah that was to come, speaking of Jesus Christ, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. Amen and purged them as gold and silver, amen, that they may offer the Lord an offering in righteousness, then the offering of Judah, those despicable people that he was condemning a while back in chapter 2, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. You see, it begins, the blessing of your home, the blessing of your marriage, begins with turning to God and confessing your sins wherever you are, whatever state that you're in, God can and will forgive you and bless your home. How do I know this? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 tells us this way. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Amen. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. 
you who are suffering so and have suffered, you are not a second-class citizen of the kingdom of God. Your marriage is not a second-rate or second-class institution. God loves you, but you need to turn to Him in repentance and confess enough sins. Only God can build the home through His Son, Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that will start you along that good path of rebuilding a broken home and marriage. So number two, what's number two? Number two is keep your vows. Keep your vows. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 and 5 puts it this way. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to take a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. When you stand before that preacher and you say, I will give my life over to you till death do us part, you are making a vow before God and to that spouse. And I think for me, the seriousness of, that, of a vow is illustrated in Joshua chapter 9. You remember the Gideonites? The Gideonites recognized that they were about to be, you know, wiped out. And, well, actually they should have been. But they went to Joshua and lied and pretended to be from some faraway country because, oh, by the way, we heard about your God, Joshua, and uh, we want to serve him. Joshua believed them, and he made a vow to protect them. Later on, he and the elders realized that the Gibeonites have just utterly lied about the whole thing. And you know what Joshua and the elders said? We made a vow before God, and we've got to keep it. So you made a serious vow before God and your spouse. Keep it. Don't break it. Keep it. And honor God with your life and vow. I want to say something on the side here. I just noted, wrote this note down before my lesson here. You remember when the children of Israel demanded a king? And they said, we want a king. We've got to have a king. We want to look like other nations. Hallelujah. We want to, we'll, it's going to be best for us. Samuel got pretty upset, and rightly so. But God came to him and he said, wait a minute, Samuel. They rejected not you, but they rejected me. And I find it very interesting that God used that rejection as a pathway of the greatest good of all humanity. And that is sending his son to be king of kings and lord of lords. Don't doubt the fact that God can do great things even out of tragedy and ruin and utter rejection. So you made a serious vow before God and, and this spouse that you're living with. You've got to keep it and you need to honor God. So number three and lastly, 
Serve God faithfully in whatever state you're in. Serve Him faithfully. I want you to think for a moment of the tragedy and the cost of David's adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And then the consequent murder of her husband. So many lives damaged. So many lies were told. Yet David sought out God for forgiveness. Psalms 32 verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. What was the result of that confession? Verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. And David trusted in God even after his total failure. Even though David failed God miserably, he never quit serving his Lord. So that's number three. Serve God faithfully until death. Do you? Okay? Serve Him faithfully. Love Him. Love the truth. Love your spouse. Love the commitment that you made. So the takeaways from my lesson are these. Rebuilding your home, having God bless your home, begins by turning to Him and Him alone and confessing your sins. Number two, keeping your vows and honor God. And number three, serve God faithfully. I want to end with this uh, passage in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I hope some of these things have been encouraging to, to you. I know there's a lot of people out there that are hurting. I know a lot of you are still having trauma to deal with in your lives for the marriages that you were in. And I pray to God that you turn to him and find solace and comfort. Maybe there's someone that's listening that maybe you feel like you haven't been forgiven. Let us as elders study with you about that. Let's talk about it. Let's do what's necessary to bring you into a right relationship with God. Let's get your marriage on track. Know that God loves you. You're not a second-class citizen of God's kingdom. And certainly your marriage is not a second-rate institution. God wants you to live for Him and live for Him alone. And I say amen and glory, hallelujah. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, 
normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.